Welcome to Data Destinations, the podcast that takes you behind the scenes of the world of hospitality and tourism. Together, we'll journey into the research, data, and technology that is shaping this exciting and fast-paced industry. Our goal is to cultivate conversations with industry experts and thought leaders who are supporting data-driven decisions in destinations and venues. Whether you're a hospitality and tourism professional working in research, data, and technology, or you are intrigued to find out more, we're excited for you to join us on this episode of Data Destinations. Welcome to this installment of Data Destinations. I'm your host, Brooke Adamson, and I'm very excited to introduce my guest for this episode, Steve Hallis, founder and CEO of Blue Room Research. Steve, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, thanks, Brooke, and thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, my name is Steve Hallis. I'm based in Portland, Oregon, and um, Blue Room Research is a boutique travel and tourism market research firm. Uh, we specialize in assisting destinations, tourism brands, and DMOs with all their market research, data, analytics, reporting, and strategy needs. And our key objective is to help our clients get the data they need, analyze the data that they already have, make better strategic decisions, and bridge the gap between data and action. Um, you know, I've done most of my career either in hospitality and tourism and or market research. Um, I started out my career with uh, Abercrombie and Kent. Uh, then moved on to Blue Green Resorts, went back to uh, business school and, and got an MBA, um, came out of business school and did consulting uh, largely for John Deere um, and a couple other uh, leading global brands. And then went back into the, the tourism and hospitality space and served as director of consumer research at Brand USA for a number of years. And then moved out to Portland, Oregon to start the market research department at uh, Travel Portland. And so I had lived out there for a bunch of years. And then um, earlier this year, decided to, to go out off on my own and start my own firm to serve uh, DMOs that didn't have a dedicated researcher or analyst. And uh, yeah, that's kind of my, my journey so far. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here. So I've attended Venue Connect about a month ago, had some really great conversations recently over the past couple months of, of this idea of kind of this interesting data versus necessary or valuable data. And so I wanted to kind of kick off this conversation a little bit with that of, you know, when you meet with clients or when you're talking with people about the things that they want to accomplish within an organization from a data or technology perspective, what conversations are you having around what's interesting versus what's valuable or necessary? Yeah, quite a lot. I think that's a really key uh, question and distinction to make for any any business, but especially in kind of the DMO and in tourism space. And, you know, if you think about where this industry has evolved from, you know, even 10 or 15 years ago, the problem DMOs had was not enough data, right? You know, we had STR mm-hmm. hotel data, uh, tax data and tax receipts that came, you know, a year after the fact. Uh, and there wasn't a lot of other hard data around um, tourism. And now it's kind of the opposite. You know, there's geolocation data and marketing data mm-hmm. and attribution data and website data. And there's so many different sources Um, all which give signals and are very, very important to understand. But a lot of it creates noise and it creates a lot of extra work. Um, And that's really where my firm kind of comes in, in, I think, and does a pretty good job of cutting through the noise to determine what what DMO should really be looking at and and what can kind of move the needle for them. And, you know, as I say to our clients, it's, you know, can you make a business decision with this data? If so, what, you know, how, you know, what are you going to do? And if you can't make a business decision with it, um, maybe put it on the back burner a little bit. You know, and and a lot of times now, uh, depending on what data set you're looking at, things go really, really deep. You know, so if you look at geolocation data or credit card spend or, 
even marketing data, you look at you can look at top inbound markets, right? And you can go to 100 or 150 or 250 um, inbound markets, but no one in the DMO space is marketing to 250 different markets. They don't have the time, they don't have the money, they don't have the expertise. And so really, once you get past the top five or 10 or maybe even 15, most DMOs aren't marketing outside that many markets. So that's just one example of understanding you know, the tail of what you're seeing is is really nice to know. It's really interesting to know that your customers are coming from this city or this market or whatever, but really you're only spending money and actually time and, and effort really courting maybe those top five or 10 or 15 markets. And so that's just mm-hmm. one example of understanding what is noise and what to me is very actionable. And I could give a million different examples of things like that, but I think centering your your frame of reference and how you think about data in that kind of uh, brain space makes a lot of sense and it'll, it'll really help you trim through the fat of all the different data sources you have to see what actually is moving the needle and what can I make a business decision on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, really great points. And I think it's it's that sometimes I'll mention with technology, right? Throwing technology at a bad process is still a bad process. You've just maybe automated your bad process. And so I think that sometimes too, that people think, okay, I'm, I'm, I need to be in this space or I need to buy this piece of data or this is the leading technology and I need to go get it. But do you have the infrastructure? Do you have the staff? Do you have the, you know, the time that it takes to onboard a piece of technology or a piece of data to the point? in which you're actually using it. Um, and as you mentioned, the data-driven decision concept of what are what decisions are you using it? What questions are you asking yourself now that you can't find an answer to? And so how do you how do you get to those answers? How do you think through what questions you're trying to ask of the data or trying to ask of your business that you aren't able to satisfy, if you will? And how can you get there? And I think that that's always interesting to me of, of thinking about you know, salespeople are good at their jobs and they're going to give you a really great presentation of how you use their technology or how you can use their data to help bring insights into your business. But unless it's valuable and unless it's something that you know you have the time and and, uh, capability and mostly time and resources from a staff perspective, it's going to take you years to get a handle on all of it. Yeah, or or worse, and you never get there. You know, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think I think a lot of a lot of people underestimate how much time it takes to not just receive and manipulate data, but understand it, report on it, and act on it. And there's just a, a lot more there than most people think. And mm-hmm. um, whether it comes in a you know an Excel file or a spreadsheet or uh, there's a dashboard, you know, there's a lot more steps and work it takes than mm-hmm. to just opening a spreadsheet and receiving these ahas. You still mm. have to manipulate it. You still have to ask additional questions. You still have to follow up. And so it's incredibly mm-hmm. time consuming. Um, and I, you know, I agree with what you said. I think going, um, you know, taking small steps and walking before you run and really understand a lot, really understanding and utilizing uh, platform A or B or C before you add on D or F. And are you really mm-hmm. getting everything you can out of the data that you have and really asking yourself and that salesperson that you alluded to, you know, mm-hmm. is this information going to answer question A, B, or C? Or is it largely going to be duplicative? Or is it largely going to be, okay, this kind of tells me what I want to do it and confirms it. And then just having an honest conversation with you and that salesperson is this is either going to answer a new question and allow me to do something different or it's not. And then deciding whether it's kind of for you or not. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, some factors that I've seen help organizations be successful in data or technology spaces and thinking about starting from 
you know, maybe an organization hasn't been as mature in the data or technology area. Maybe they're, they're using spreadsheets and they're, they're maybe using some data points here and there from software companies that they subscribe to. They're going to provide some data for them. Um, things like Google Analytics, right, is, is kind of a, a low lift, if you will, to get access to some of that because you, you don't need um, a separate piece of technology or, or buying a separate set of data to get access to the things that you're already doing um, from a, a Google standpoint. Um, but I let's, you know, kind of wanted to talk a little bit about some of those factors that might contribute to organizations being successful. And we always hear things like leadership buy-in, right? If you don't have uh, the leadership buy-in from the beginning, that is really going to set the standards for how the organization is going to work with the data or technology. So what things, what, you know, what factors have you seen in organizations that really help set up a successful journey into a data-driven culture? Yeah, that's it's a, a good question and a hard one to answer. And I think a, a lot of firms have done uh, both good and bad jobs at this that I've seen in my career so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, it all starts, you know, to your point at the top with that commitment to being data driven. And it starts with a conversation about being data driven. And then it has to evolve to putting some sort of framework in place to have regular conversations and regular stoppage points where you regroup and actually reflect on things. And so it's that that very structured approach, I think, is thing one. Um, you know, dedicated staff obviously is a luxury uh, that, that is ideal, but a lot of, especially DMOs, can't um, you know, afford to have a dedicated researcher or, or analyst on staff. So that's kind of a luxury. But I think there's a, a, a lot of workarounds to that. And, you know, that's something that our firm provides. But even without, you know, an external, um, you know, company coming in, I think having, you know, ownership and um, responsibility assigned to certain um, staff members that are appropriate, you know, so if you have a web person, you know, maybe you make them in charge of looking at Google Analytics every week or every month yeah. or something like that. And if you have a marketing person, you know, really make them and kind of put their feet to the fire to deliver some sort of marketing standardized report, you know, weekly, monthly, whatever it is. And so that's kind of, you know, phase one of getting people to stop and and, and really create reports and, and really immerse themselves in the data. But thing two, and, and to me more importantly, is you need to create the time and space to talk about it in a group setting. And, mm-hmm. you know, as you know, DMOs are, are often siloed, but everything is, is really should be viewed holistically. And mm-hmm. so having an all staff meeting where the marketing person presents what they're hearing or seeing, and then the web person presents what they're hearing and seeing and the salesperson, and then it goes on and on. And so everyone really needs to have the time and space to dig deep into their respective areas to talk about it amongst the group. Um, and, and again, time, I, I keep mentioning time so far in our conversation, but giving people the time and space to have a little bit of green space each week to take this, take on this new responsibility, just like any mm-hmm. new job assignment, you know, you can't just add things to the plate. You also have to take things off mm-hmm. and you need to give them dedicated hours back in their week, whether it's a half an hour, an hour, whatever it is, and say, Hey, you need to do this an hour per week and let's do this for four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks, whatever it is mm-hmm. and see where we get. Um, and so I think it's incremental at, at first, you just need to commit to doing it. Then you need to start doing it. Then you need to talk about it and reflect. And then you kind of need to course correct and go from there. Um, mm-hmm. And then the last thing I'll say, and one thing that I think was was successful in my time in travel Portland is, um, you know, I presented every week or every other week at our all staff meeting. Mm-hmm. And I ran through all of kind of the key metrics 
uh, that I was seeing, whether it be hotel or short-term rental or geolocation or tax or marketing or whatever those things were, uh, in addition with some kind of macroeconomic trends to really bring the whole staff. And it was kind of that pull approach to get people, you know, pulled along board with you and swimming in the same direction of, you know, let's show them how the things that I'm seeing affect their individual jobs across the different silos. And whether it was our event planner or sales or whatever, really trying to let them understand what was going on in Portland at the 30,000 foot view. And so I mm-hmm. think, you know, all, all of that, um, you know, in, in, in aggregate is, is what it takes to be data driven. And then always kind mm-hmm. of constantly allowing yourself reflection and, and that honest conversation of, is this working? Can we do it better? Is this a huge time suck that no one's giving, mm-hmm. getting anything out of and just being honest with yourself. And you know, hopefully if you go through those steps and those processes, you have something that has moved the needle and is helping the organization. Um, mm-hmm. And then you, know, you just got to iterate and, and keep improving like anything else. Yeah, really a lot of really great insight there. And I think, you know, my training from a business analysis standpoint with the project management training that I've had, uh, some very key words about treating this like any other project that you have of making sure that you're following through those project management steps and, and being uh, very dedicated to that process and knowing it's it's like change management of anything else and making sure that you're thinking through those pieces. And I think a, a, that regroup and check-in that you talked about, I think is so key. I had an experience a couple months ago that I was working with someone who we were struggling with a piece of their process together to implement this new piece of technology. And and they said, well, you know, I really need it to work this way when I'm sending uh, this document to to people who have multiple events within their venue. Um, and a couple other people were on the call and they said, well, we don't do that. And, sh- and she was like, what do you mean we don't do this? We had a meeting like six months ago and we all agreed we were going to consolidate and put this all in one document. And then we were going to really try to push to make sure that, the, you know, our touch points were uh, were as minimal as possible with the client uh, to get them the, the documents that they needed. And out of four different departments that had come to an agreement about doing something, only one department was really changing their process. <laughs> processes to get that moving. And um, and so you just think about what could have solved that, right? Of having a group together that's dedicated to seeing this change management happen, seeing these process improvements happen, and getting them together to talk about where they are and reiterate the purpose of behind what they're trying to do, that there is this end result you're trying to get to. It's not just data for data's sake or technology for, for technology's sake, as we talked about at the beginning. It really is about how are you gaining insights into your business, insights into your organization, insights into your destination, to be able to um, do your jobs better and make make your organization um, even more valuable and continuing to to grow the impact to your community. And I think that that um, is just such a powerful lesson. Yeah, ex- excellent point. I think change management and all the things that go with it can't be understated. It mm-hmm. always takes longer, is harder, mm-hmm. uh, you know, all those things than, than you initially think. And, and, and I mm-hmm. think viewing, viewing, um, becoming a more data-centric or data-driven organization through a change management lens is, is absolutely critical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the many things I loved uh, about working at Travel Portland was um, we actually received change management um, training, you know, as part mm-hmm. of uh, anyone at director level above received change management uh, training and instruction. It was invaluable to my perspective, my career growth, uh, management, all those kinds mm-hmm. of things. Uh, and it's a great framework to understand how long it takes to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's, you know, thing one, absolutely a great point you brought up, uh, Brooke. The other thing that that I wanted to say is when I when I started at Travel Portland, 
you know, I started the research department up from scratch. So there was no existing infrastructure, no existing way mm. of doing things, mm. anything. And my boss at the time was fantastic uh, in that he knew it was not going to be a linear progression of, you know, by this date, we'll have this done. By this date, we'll expect this done. It's just not going to happen like that. And he gave me a yeah. really long rope to, uh, you know, take some take some risks and mess up and start over and see what works, see what didn't. Uh, those kinds of things. And I'll always thank him for that. And I think when you go through these kinds of exercises as a company, I think it's really important to acknowledge that it's not going to be a linear path and you need to give everyone permission to, you know, bring something to the group that, that falls flat and Hey, this helps nobody. Why don't we see if we can, uh, you know, right. maybe, maybe right. Re- rethink this and see if we can do it better mm-hmm. and giving everyone permission to um, not get it right. The first try and just mm-hmm. iterate, iterate, iterate. Um, but always, you know, restating the goal is to get, to get further, to move in a direction without maybe having a specific goal Mm -hmm. in sight. And I I think that's really, really uh, key and can't be understated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, also the, uh, you talked a little bit about, you know, kind of getting together and really thinking about the organization as a whole. And, uh, you talked about the story and I think it's, it's always really important to think about that. How are you going to use the data to tell the story? Um, Biltmore as some people might be familiar with as a hotel and resort in Asheville, North Carolina has a professional development series and, and they, because they've done so many really amazing things with customer experience and employee engagement. And so they started teaching what that looked like to others. And one class that I took was storytelling as a strategy and really thinking about how you can ingrain the idea of storytelling into every, essentially every aspect of your organization. And to this day, I can tell you the stories that they told me in regards to both employee engagement or customer experience. You know, you can tell someone customer experience is important and you can think about that through the hiring processes that you have within your organization. But telling a story about the type of actions and behaviors that you expect of employees to exhibit is going to be so much more powerful. And I think about that when we think about data, you can have those kind of pieces of information, but unless, as you mentioned, you're getting together, you're meeting with people from other areas of the organization, you're truly collaborating, right? Not just, in, and I would use that term very deliberately, not just coordinating your efforts, but truly collaborating about how you're going to approach the problems that you're trying to solve as an organization together um, and thinking about what does what does this data tell us? What story is this telling us about our destination or about our organization that we can then use that to tell our own story better out to stakeholders or internally to help people um, do their jobs better and and really think about how uh, what value and impact they're making on the organization and the community as a whole? Yeah, and in, in addition to that, I, I think you know the, the conversation is so critical because it helps you come up with a universal truth for your organization. Mm. And I think it can't be understated again to talk about what the data means and generally agree on what that means for you and your destination. If you just put it in a report and you just send it via email and you just Mm. kind of communicate like that, I could see a slide or a number and think that's good. You could see that same number and think it's bad. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it, the, the, the value comes in understanding and talking through, do we collectively think mm-hmm. this is good or bad or right or wrong or, you know, whatever that, that is. So everyone is generally agreeing on kind of level setting and, and, and what mm-hmm. to do with that data. And so I think yeah, the talking about it piece is even more important than collecting it and analyzing it. And it's really mm-hmm. like 
talking about as a group of this is what we think it says, generally speaking, and everyone's obviously not going to agree all the time. And, you know, you can spend time spinning your wheels mm. doing that. But generally, we think this data means X. And if this means X, we should do Y, right? If mm. we're opening for this result, those kinds of things. So the talking about it to me is a really important part. And I think that's where a lot of people miss of just having that conversation. And it's it's internal with staff, it's external with stakeholders, it's, it's, it's talking about the data so everyone can, kind of, again, kind of be pulled along for the ride and, and that level setting of if everyone's on that same understanding of what, what the data says and why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, and my mind jumps to some strategy efforts that I was a part of during the last organization that I worked for. And, you know, we were implementing this concept of data-driven decisions of really being strategic-minded organization that had a roadmap that that we were following down. And it helped put those guardrails up to help make decisions and, and really provide that context. And one of the things that we implemented was what called a balanced scorecard that I know a lot of organizations use that term and, and think about what data are you displaying from a kind of, again, external, but also internal standpoint um, from the, an organization's perspective. And so, of course, each department had data that they looked at in their own, if you will, kind of report cards or other metrics, uh, the way that they organize metrics within their department. But then this was kind of the organization-wide scorecard of how we were doing toward our main objectives that were on our strategic plan. And it was interesting as that I think, as as you mentioned, of how you're getting together to talk about the data, because you could see how certain departments adopted this new format and really utilized it to help them make decisions based off of how their manager communicated that balance scorecard to them. And some managers emailed it without anything else. Here's this quarter's you know balance scorecard. And they just forwarded it without any additional context, without any commentary, without any future exactly. discussion on it. And other ones then sat down and said, look at these numbers. This is where you add value. This is talking to them about the things that they accomplished themselves within their department and individually over the last quarter and how that impacted those numbers. When you think about employee engagement and one of those factors that's just so important of people feeling like they make an impact into their department and into their organization and that they see their efforts come Coming, uh, coming to fruition, and when when they when there's no connection and they never see that, um, it starts to chip away a little bit at their engagement. But if you have a manager that's constantly telling them, "Look at our numbers. Look how great you guys are doing. Look at what this what this means for our organization and for our destination," you know, employee engagement starts to skyrocket. And if you're not having those conversations, you're missing such a key point of what data and and storytelling around that data can mean to an organization. Yeah, I think, you know, a piece you hit on there is, is that comes to my mind is the old expression, lead them all the way to the water, right? You mm -hmm. can't count on your stakeholders, your staff understanding if you just send them an email or just send them a report, you really mm -hmm. have to talk through it and thread the needle and tell that arc of a, of a story of mm -hmm. here's what we did. Here's the number. Here's why it's important. Here's what we do mm -hmm. next and really lead them all the way to the water to paint that picture. I, I, again, I don't think that can be assume that everyone's going to gather and garner the same, um, you know, outcomes or, 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 or um, um, you know, findings from just an email mm -hmm. presentation. You really have to kind of talk through it and make mm -hmm. sure that you, that you kind of land that plane and finish out the process of what it means, why it's important. And then I agree. I think if you do that, um, I think your employee engagement, satisfaction and, and buy-in is going to be so much stronger. Yeah. I love, uh, 
a new book recommendation and, and or anytime people talk about um, books, I love the opportunity to to jump into something. And I'm looking over at my my bookshelf, and it's uh, Switch by Dan and Chip Heath. And I think it's the idea around data does not change behavior. And so if if you start to think about again, what are your goals related to starting a data journey? And you're thinking that we want to be a more effective organization of really focusing on this data and making sure that we're we're providing as much value as we can back to the community um, and back to our other stakeholders. The data point in itself will never accomplish what you're trying to accomplish, regardless of what your goal is. And you have to think about what the impact you need to have on someone's uh, understanding of what the data is telling them um, for them to be able to change behavior and and maybe act in a, in a different way. If you if you need to make um, data-driven decisions within your organization that's changing course to do something different or change a marketing tactic or change a, you know, a, a sales process. And if you aren't having those conversations, then the data itself is, is never going to get you there. It has to be part of a process and part of, of a team's dynamic um, for it to get really where it needs to go. Yeah, couldn't agree more. You know, one of my old, uh, I think it was my old statistics professor used to use this example that, you know, data by itself is not going to convince anything of anyone, you know, to your point. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, she used to use the example of smoking, right? Everyone knows smoking is bad for you. It kills you. There's Mm -hmm. unlimited statistics about this, but people still smoke. And if you talk to people that have quit smoking, it's always for my daughter because I couldn't Mm -hmm. keep up with my kids anymore. It was, you know, you know, all these Mm -hmm. emotional type reasons that got them to quit. And there's a a million instances of that. So I think, you know, I think the best um, storytellers and data analysts can combine those two arts. And I strive for this every day in my uh, uh, profession, but to combine both the the data with the story and emotion and, you know, all the things you just mentioned, Brooke, to really tell a complete and full story, because just putting up a data point on a screen is not going to do it. There's so much more that has to come behind it. Um, mm. And that's, uh, you know, that's something that I, I try to remember every single day. Yeah, great points. So as we think a little bit about um, kind of wrapping up the conversation a little bit, if I, I know it's it's going to be unique for every client that you work with. And so I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. But someone comes to you and you say, there's this data landscape out there. I know I need to play in the sandbox, but I don't know where to start. I don't know what I should do first. I don't know where, what, what things I need to, to work on, what things should be important to me as, as maybe manager of a DMO, what things, uh, strategies or efforts might you recommend that they start first? Yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a big, a big question. That's a bit hard to answer. Um, but I, I think, you know, DMOs need to focus on a variety of things. But to me, there's a couple key things that every DMO needs to understand. And one, it's it's stakeholders, right? Um, And DMOs have wide varieties of stakeholders. And I've learned this in working through uh, with a lot lot of our clients. And for some cities and, and destinations, it's hotel community. For some, it's public officials and elected officials. For some people, it's a restaurant alliance or retail alliance and some people it's their local residents and there's all these voices and and ask being made of a dmo and so i think understanding who your true and kind of strongest stakeholder group is and really who you're kind of serving and working for the most uh, is critical so understanding that um you know number two i would say understanding your visitor you know who's coming why um understanding what they do what they like what they don't like how you can improve 
um, really understanding why people are coming to visit you and why they're choosing to spend their hard-earned money in your destination is, is critical as well. Um, what, what something that goes along with that is is, is really taking a honest look at your perception of your own destination. I think, you know, when you say any city or country around the world, instantly people have a perception mm -hmm. of, of that destination. So understanding what that looks like. And then, especially for smaller destinations, deciding on what kind of destination they want to be, mm -hmm. right? New York City can be a million things to a million different people because there's so much there. They offer mm -hmm. so much. There's sports, there's music, there's, you know, food, mm -hmm. there's wine, there's everything under the sun in new york city mm. but when you look at look at you know especially smaller destinations they really have to pick and choose and be careful on what they want to be and i think uh they they can't really be all things to all people and they really need to compete on those top two or three or four things and so having again an honest conversation of what do people think about our destination what do they think we are? What are we and what do we want to become? Mm -hmm. um, and then really kind of clearly stating that. And, you know, what are your goals? What are your desired outcomes? And then really trying to execute on that vision. So, you know, wrapping all that up, um, what data sources can you bring in that are going to help you understand each of those things? You know, stakeholders, visitors, perception. Mm -hmm. And then that fourth is kind of that destination development of what do we want to become and, and where do we want to be in five years, 15 years, you know, whatever that timeline looks like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great summary. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure talking uh, data research and tourism, uh, three of my favorite topics with you. And so thanks so much for the opportunity. Great. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate all your great insights and a lot of, to think about from a, a data and technology perspective for, for both uh, DMOs and, and venue organizations. So thank you so much. Thank you, Brooke. Have a good one. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Data Destinations. We hope you've gained valuable insights into the research, data, and technology driving the hospitality and tourism industry. Remember, the journey doesn't end here. Stay connected with us to continue exploring the ever-changing landscape of travel and tourism by visiting Data Destinations podcast on Facebook and our website at adamsonconsultancy.com. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. Your support helps us reach more listeners and cultivate more great conversations. Thank you to our listeners for joining us on this exciting journey. Until next time, commit to constant curiosity as we shape the future research, data, and technology landscape of our exciting industry.